And a big old happy Monday to you, Lima Land. Happy Monday, April the 4th. First Monday in April. National Championship Monday. Welcome inside the basement, Dr. Studio Cookie and the Monster with you here on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fan. For those of you who may have forgotten, I'm John Cook. I used to work here on this radio show as a host, and it's been a little bit. Don't even feel the slightest bit guilty. Had a spring break from work, got out of here for a week, went where the weather was a, a rough day with 74 with blue skies and partly cloudy. Good days, of which there were five of the seven that I was gone, were 82 to 84 with a whole lot of vitamin D and a whole lot of blue sky. Got a little unplugged from the sports world for a part of that that time, going to be honest. But uh, watch the NIT, watch the NCAA get to the point we are now, watch the women and tried to follow a little bit of sports news. Mostly I miss my partner, Garrett Seawright. How are you? Oh, you know, I, I, I'm not that good and happy and energetic. You know, I didn't get the, I didn't get the sun. I got gray skies and 50 with rain every day for a week. Appreciate that. <laughs> that was lovely. At least the sun's shining today. Yeah, yeah, walking over here across the street when I parked, it was like, yeah, it's a little chilly. I got jeans on. Didn't wear jeans much uh, on, on the trip. No. That was, that was okay. I did a little hiding out, but uh, there's just no way for me to get my head around after all this time, as old as I am, as long as I've lived it. I can't believe what it does to me to be in blue skies and warm weather. And, and all your problems go away. I mean, they, they're still there, but, I can, but, but they're not front and center. But I can wink at them. <laughs> you know, I can acknowledge yeah. them over there in the corner and not care very much. I don't like being unplugged from the sports world, and some things went down that were kind of kind of surprising. We'll chat a little bit about those. So most Mondays, we like to do weekend observations. I've got a few right off the top. You got anything that stands out? The, the, the big one that stood out to me was the amount of people who had just pent up vitriol towards Coach Krzyzewski. <laughs> they got to release it on Saturday night. You know, I, I know that Duke is that program you either love or hate, but the amount of people who are uh, dancing on the grave of the man moments after losing to his arch rival in the final four sure was interesting it, it, it was but it's also and again i am a guy who spent a lot of his younger years and i mean prior to high school in high school certainly not necessarily rooting for duke and it really didn't have a lot to do with i was just a guy who kind of rooted for underdogs always did and and then i got to college and and i worked with coach campoli and coach doherty who both had a relationship with Coach Krzyzewski, and you begin to understand things as you get a little older. Like, I don't want to say this completely dismissively of a lot of programs, but at times it was kind of fun rooting for the readers and the writers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The guys that you were pretty sure went to class and some of that stuff. And I don't get me wrong, Bobby Hurley was hard to like. Christian Leighton was hard to like. But as a basketball fan, it was really You had to work at not wanting to appreciate what they were doing. You had to invest time and effort into not respecting and appreciating what they did from a level of play and a commitment and a toughness standpoint. So I've kind of run the gamut of I don't like Duke to, yeah, well, I don't, may not root for them every day, but i got to love the way they, they play, and, and their greatness is undeniable. My issue is, just like you were taken aback by the people who danced on the man's grave shortly after the loss, I, I've had my fill of the people who can say out loud, Oh, it's just not fair. It would have been perfect for him to win a title in his last. He's got five. Oh, shut up! <laughs> he doesn't. You're not just entitled to the title simply because you've been doing it for a long time. 
you've been really good, and this is it. Yeah, I mean, not everybody's just roll over for you. If he wins it, it is a storybook ending, but it's not right. like you feel like you were he, he was robbed. And so, like, like I coached a high school basketball team last year whose coaches quit three weeks before practice started when three tr- starters transferred out of the district over a period of three months. When we go lose our opener in overtime at Ridgemont, we got cheated. We were supposed to win that. That would have been a great story for a group of kids who had expectations of winning no basketball games. <laughs> that one's where you. He, that man's got right. five titles. The fact that he doesn't get to play for a sixth is in no way do I feel like, boy, that's that's just a bummer of an ending. Well, uh, would it have been a storybook ending for him to win the national championship? Of course it would have. But life sucks, and then you die. And that's the way it goes. And the basketball gods don't always just give you what you, no. you know, what makes what for you, a great story. In fact, they seldom do. He probably feels like he he genuinely deserved some national championships that he didn't get. And won one won some by luck, right? That would be the the basketball gods. You probably felt like you had the best team in the in the nation several times, and you didn't win one. And then you beat Gordon Hayward on a half court buzzer beater that if it if it travels a half a mile an hour slower through the air, you lose with Zubak and Brian Zubek and whoever the hell else was on that team. It wasn't any good. It won a national title. You don't just get to win this one just because you're bored. No, so I, I was surprised that, the, and, and I don't. It just was so quick. I mean, it, the game was over, and well, I, I was scrolling through Twitter, and the amount of people who were like, "Good, that rat face bastard's gone!" Like, holy cow! <laughs> where, where did where, where did that come from? Oh my god! So, so my weekend observation on that whole note is this, and I'm going to sound like the, the the anti me here for a minute. Just give me the blue bloods in the final four. Every damn year. I'll take all the upsets you want up to the Sweet 16 or even Elite Eight. I Give me the Blue Bloods in the Final Four every year. Weekend observation number one for me. That was a spectacular weekend. I felt awful for Villanova. I know it was a little more lopsided game than, than we right. would have seen had they been healthy. But I can set that aside because what we saw from Duke and Carolina, that's the stuff I am here for on a, final, on a semifinal weekend. That was spectacular. See, that's your my, my takeaway was... Man, Kevin Sensiball really kind of looks like Jay Wright, doesn't he? <laughs> My brother said the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Said he looks like him, stands like him. Yeah, I, I, during that game, I'm like, man, Kevin Sensiball really kind of looks like. I mean, I don't. I'm, I'm guessing that uh, Jay Wright has like suits that cost more than Kevin Sensiball's car or something. But if we can get if we can get Kevin Sensiball in an Armani suit or something. When they play like Columbus Grove, next just year wait till he starts going casually say, and slowly gray. Right. When he gets a little salt and pepper in there, he's going to look exactly like Jay Wright. Another weekend observation. There seemed to be a real rush by the sports world to declare from Yahoo Sports to who's the guy that does the ESPN Daily, the podcast every day? Uh, Pablo Torre. Pablo Torre, yep. And somebody, there were three different people, I can't remember the third one, who I heard make the declaration that because of what Carolina did to Duke on Friday, February or March 5th or whatever that was and then what they did in the Final Four they've got the Trump card of all Trump cards the rivalry is now going to fade away because Carolina Mm -hmm. uh, what the it's a rivalry man well Carolina Duke is as even as a rivalry as there is where you look at the last you know 50 matchups and they're they're 25 and 25 and they've scored the exact same amount of points and they've Coach led K- for the exact same amount of time. Coach K played him 100 times in his career at Duke. He's 50 and 50. The, <laughs> the, the, the total score separation is, I think, 17 points in 100 matchups. That's not like, definitive. The rivalry's over. 
okay. I mean, even if Carolina gets to have that trump card, like I heard a guy say today, you know, they'll be arguing about Carolina and Duke, and they'll be arguing about the greatness of Krzyzewski for a long, long time. And he said, the guy in the back corner of the barbershop's going to get up, and as he goes out the door, he's going to yell, Hubert Davis. <laughs> that's going to be the end of the argument. And I think that's kind of cool. But I'm actually very curious to see, because I think when I look at him, I think John Shire might have the potential to be psychopathically competitive. And if there if there's a word that you want to use before competitive, <laughs> I prefer it be psychopathically. I just, I'm about that. I, I think the rivalry. I don't know. Maybe it's dead. I I don't know how anybody, I don't think it's dead. I don't know how anybody can say that kind of rivalry might actually die or cease to have significance because because Coach K's Coach out. K's gone and the way that it ended gives Carolina the eternal trump card. I just I don't know about that. I don't do I don't know how to phrase this without sounding like a, a jerk. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Is Hubert Davis a good coach, or is he is he North Carolina's Ed Orgeron? Not that he. I mean, I know that he speaks the English language. <laughs> you got, <laughs> <laughs> but if they win a title tonight in three years, is Hubert Davis still North Carolina's head coach? And he's absolutely a slam dunk. I I, I lean more towards he's not. The fun thing about sports talk radio and the thing that sometimes drives me nuts about it but will make it entertaining for a lot of people is that's going to be something that we are going to be answering over the next three years. I think Hubert Davis has done a spectacular job with this team, and one of the things I love about college basketball is the fact that you get to coach your team all year to try and have them peaking for the tournament, and the fact that they were absolutely on the bubble and maybe even out of the tournament in late January, and here they are going to go play tonight for a national title, is a testament to something that got done within that program. I'm going to give Hubert Davis a lot of credit because I'm a coaching snob, and I think the guys deserve a lot of credit. At times... I think Hubert Davis is going to have to live down the notion that, well, he, he's not Roy Williams, and he's not Dean Smith, right. and he's not, and he's not, and he's not. Um, he is two things, for sure. One, he is absolutely genuine. Two, he is fully owning his leadership of this program. He's not, he's not beholden to the Carolina way right. of playing, the old Dean Smith, different defenses, changing defenses, or the, the Carolina break, all that stuff we saw for you. They're playing NBA-style basketball. They're playing a totally different way. Um, I think he's a really good coach, but I guess I won't know about what he really is for another two to three years. That's my take, and I think that's I think that's fair. I just when 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 dudes get jobs strictly because you went to school here and you're on the staff here, I I, I feel like you leave that door open a little bit to is this guy good or are they still piggybacking off of whoever came before them or are they piggybacking off of the name tradition etc he better hope john shire don't start kicking his ass that's true that's true <laughs> i can tell you that i can tell you that for sure i had one other weekend observation we'll leave for another time lebron might win a scoring title and right dot 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 right. question great mark. congrats <laughs> we got to take our first don jiggies jeweler time and it's so good to be back inside the basement doctor studio we'll come back we got poll questions and we're sponsored yes Woo-hoo! sir after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout, John Cook and Garrett Seawright, Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Back here inside the basement, Dr. Studio, Cookie and the Monster, presented by Lewis Family McDonald's. You can apply online at work at mcd.com. You can work today and get paid tomorrow at Lewis Family McDonald's. We got Twitter poll questions, and Yes, sir. We got Twitter poll questions brought to you by Vons Diamonds and Jewelry, where Lima <laughs> celebrates love. <laughs> and they're online at VonsJewelry.com. Twitter poll questions with a sponsor. VonsJewelry.com poll question. Who wins tonight, Kansas or North Carolina? 63% say Kansas. 
I think that's an awful high number. I think it's a very high that number. That is an awful high number. We'll, we'll break the game down a little bit in our next segment, and I'll talk about how torn I am on trying to make a choice, not just because I'm bad at choosing, but because this one's actually difficult. Is that is that number that high just because of, you know, you, you, they didn't rough up Villanova, but they... They roughed them up a little. They they, they won pretty handily. Yeah, you know, they, a 15-point win in the Final Four leads you to believe that that team's probably pretty good. Well, a 15-point win, plus the fact that there were times when it felt like they just went on cruise control until they really needed to keep their little brother away from them, and then, and then they <laughs> got aggressive. Yeah. And Villanova's lack of health was a, was a big factor, but their lack of size was a much bigger factor. So 63% right now say Kansas. Another Vonsjewelry.com poll question. Does the national championship game tip off too late? 9.20 tip-off tonight. Hell to the yeah. 96% say yes. Thank you. 96% say yes. Who's voting no on that? Second shifters? No, I say you second shift. Yeah. One person that works second that's so excited. Thank like, you for your yeah, vote. Yeah, I'm going to watch the second half when I get home. Like, yeah. 9.20. 9.20 is a bit much. No argument that's here. A, I mean, that's so... And I realize uh, I've been to the West Coast once. And it was during the NBA Finals. And it was, I think, a Cavs-Warriors NBA Finals. And the game got over on a Saturday at like 7.30 in the, in the Pacific time. And I was like, so what do we do now? <laughs> because because every, every sport's over. Like, what, what do we do now? I don't know what to do because every sport is done. Spent a week in the Central Time Zone. I got to tell you, I like the extra hour. Extra, yeah. An extra three would make a huge difference. Now, I, is... But... You, you, I kind of, I've never, I never believed in the whole East Coast bias thing until you go to like a Central Time Zone and you got to figure out like, oh wait, hold on, the Bachelor doesn't start at eight; it starts at seven. <laughs> you know, like when they they're going at nine eight Central, yeah. I got to start paying attention because before it's just okay nine o'clock, you know, eight o'clock. Oh, like every ESPN promo, it's like, ah, oh, it's gonna be at eight, eight gonna be at eight o'clock. Or seven, six, five, depending on <laughs> yeah. depending, depending on no. where you're at. Like I went when I was on vacation last week. I, I'm going to continue to reference that I was on vacation. Made a drive to Troy University, not far from where I was staying. Troy University in the south in Alabama. I go to watch baseball. Troy's playing Little Rock in baseball. Three o'clock start on the Troy schedule. Three o'clock, three o'clock. That's Central Time. Three o'clock. I'm thinking three o'clock, six o'clock. It's about a forty minute drive. I'll leave a little early. No, 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 no. The Final Four game started at five o nine. Ah. In the central time zone. So uh, I readjust the I, schedule. I, I drove back leaving the baseball game in the sixth inning and watched the, the beginning of the Kansas Villanova game on my phone while it was propped on my little thing in, in my car. And my brother and nephew were yelling at me the whole time to quit watching the game and drive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a little different when you got to. The, the start time, the, 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 the earlier end time makes for nice. But, right. but but trying to catch the start of everything is not Which, real easy. Like, I get the people on the West Coast are like, I love the NFL because the game started at 9-1. and one. You're like, wait, what? No, 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 the game started at 1-4. No, they started 9-1. and one. Yeah, No wonder you like the NFL. You roll out the rack, get a little bottomless it's mimosa. Gotta, in. It's got to kill church attendance in the West. I would think so. It's got to. Like, <laughs> gotta hey, kill sorry, church but, attendance sorry, <laughs> Reverend, but for the next four months... <laughs> We'll see you. Can we have a Saturday night service? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in our final VonsJewelry.com poll, the question is, did you watch WrestleMania last night? According to my timeline, everybody. Wait, what? I forgot it was even on. And I don't watch it anyway. Sorry, Aaron Matthews. No. God rest your soul. <laughs> I, I just all, all my timeline last night was WrestleMania content. Wow. Nope, didn't even know. Commentary. Didn't know. Was watching the women's final. 
watching the NCAA. I did. I, I watched that as well. So I did not watch it. Uh, 88% say no, they did not watch. Jay on Twitter says, what kind of psycho takes vacation then comes back to work on a Friday? Jay, I don't know how to tell you. This is a, today's Monday. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I, I, left, I left on a Sunday, came back on a Sunday. I, Jay, Jay, it's 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 Monday, brother. I don't know how your weekends work, or maybe <laughs> maybe how your weekend went, but it, it's it's I Monday. I got a poll question for you. We won't put it on the poll. I just want to ask it: Is it immoral? Is it socially? But let me stop you there. Anytime anybody's ever asked me, is it immoral? Generally, the answer is yes. Is it? I'll yes. say unacceptable slash immoral, or is it B? socially inconsiderate or is it C perfectly fine if I go to a restaurant like a Subway where you order your food and then you take it with you or you sit down and eat it if I go there and they have the cups out where I can get to them and, I, and I'm and i knowing that I'm going to get a to-go meal I grab a cup and fill it about three-fourths full of soda and I drink it while they are making my sandwich and then I refill it before I leave is that where does that fit? Is that unacceptable, immoral? Is that socially inconsiderate, or am I good? No, so see, when you look across this glass, what about this shouts self-control and etiquette? <laughs> Nothing should. I just need to know what the general consensus is. Because a guy gave me the side eye today, and I eat at Subway every day when I'm at work, and no one's ever done anything. The, the see, workers don't seem to care, but I go up and grab my cup, because I can. I go over and fill it, and while I'm in line behind four people, I'm drinking some Coke. And then when I get my order done, I go refill it before I leave. I don't know. Is that a problem? I don't know. I gen- like I will go to Chipotle and have the same issue. Like I know that I'm going to come back to the office, so I'm going to get you know an extra like half cup of Mr. Pib in here while we're while we're standing here. And I, I, I generally as a as a as a general just constant feeling, I feel like I'm a burden and in people's way. So I try to get out of the way as quick as possible. But I'm going to get me some some Mr. Pib. So I don't know. That's a great question. We can put it up on the poll and be like, hey, should you not be drinking half a Coke, half a Pepsi? While you're in line to get it While to you're in meal? line waiting for... In other words, can you get a refill on a carryout order? Is that okay? That's a, that's a great... Because that's what I'm doing. I think it's fine. I, I've been doing it all I, school year. I paid my money. Guy looked at me funny today, first time. Looked at, gave me the... like I, I would look like back I, at him funny. I, I did. <laughs> Almost what? offered him a sip. You want some? Can I grab you a cup? Right. They're right there. You want me to get you one? <laughs> you, you want to go have these on this or what? Uh, Five forty-five. You can vote on our Twitter poll questions. Our Von's dot or Von's Jewelry dot com. Jewelry dot com. Twitter poll Twitter questions. poll questions can be voted on until five forty-five. We're going to take another Don Jenkins Jewelry timeout. We're going to come back. We're going to break down a little bit of UNC Kansas, the national championship game tonight at eleven o'clock <laughs> tip time. But we're going to talk about the final four. Look ahead to tonight's title game. You can feel free to share your thoughts, 419-227-9393-1888-894-3776. I'm John Cook. He's Garrett Seawright. Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Back here inside the basement, Dr. Studio, John Cook and Garrett Seawright with you. Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. National title game tonight. Simple question is who you got, but let's not quite get there just yet. Watched both semifinals. Again, disappointed that Villanova couldn't come into things healthy. Uh, just a, just about as blue of a blue blood matchup as you could have. The only thing you could have had possibly, it wouldn't have worked in this year's tournament, but in a dream scenario, you're four that could have been like a Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina right. Duke, or UCLA, Kansas, Carolina Duke, 
uh, some combination thereof would may, have made it maybe a little more historically significant. But I would say like Vill- Arizona was the number one seed in that yeah, region right. that no, Villanova came out of. If Villan- Arizona is a blue is a blue blood, I think. I, right? I think they're like, certainly at least on the cusp. Certainly in the argument, and Villanova has earned their way in there as well. When you look at programs nationally and the number of national titles and Final Four appearances. Um, Villanova is on the list in a place where you it's hard to argue that they aren't a blue blood. Um, and or at what, least since the yeah. turn of the century. Certainly they are that. Absolutely. I mean, Jay Wright's tenure has been what it's been. But, you know, they also won a national title in 1985. He's won two national titles, have been to, I think, four Final Fours in his time. So it, it is what it is. I went into the, the, the semifinals really believing that because of the injury situation, Kansas would just be too much for Villanova. It kind of played out the way that I thought it would, with the exception of the fact that I didn't see a 10-zip start. And largely, if you take the 10-zip start off the board, that game is extremely interesting. Villanova took a pretty good punch, came back and delivered some, and just couldn't really put themselves in a position to have an opportunity. They couldn't get it to a two-possession game and possession of the ball. You know, right. trying to get it to one position. They couldn't get there. They got it to five or six, or six or seven, I think. And that was the um, same thing that happened last night between South Carolina and UConn. There were a couple of times UConn would get to within six and could never get up over that hump. Well, and you felt like getting it to six, they were absolutely scraping the ceiling of what they were capable right. of on that yeah. given night. And I said the same thing about Villanova. Um, so Kansas comes into tonight, if you're if you're a, a fan that watched that, I think that... the the reason that our poll results show people heavily favoring Kansas is they were just much more impressive. But I also think there's a little more to it than that. I have real concerns if I'm Carolina in in at least two areas. One is they play nobody off their bench. Carolina has (laughs) zero depth, and they were just in an absolute war on Saturday, Where? pardon me for using that that term, but, but whereas Kansas got to coast, Kansas has more depth. And but North Carolina's arguably best player, and Armando Baycott is coming off an ankle injury where he didn't look like he was moving around all that well. Well, Saturday and that, night. that's the, the second component for me is even with their limited depth, that they're these five have been have been Warriors the whole postseason. They've played this whole time with with a very limited rotation, so that shouldn't be terribly concerning. But it is much more concerning with me when you consider that they don't have a deep rotation and one of their centerpieces, pardon the pun, uh, in their five man is possibly compromised, going to play, but possibly but, compromised. Right. I also look at from a basketball standpoint. I think because Kansas has more depth, they have a versatility in how they choose to play. And if Kansas wants to leave McCormick to deal with Baycott inside and then go with four guards around him and says, Brady Manick, you're going to have to come out here and chase somebody around a whole bunch all night long. And you're not going to get loose on baseline screening actions because we're not going to chase you around with a 6'10 guy that's a little slow afoot or a little easier to screen. We're going to have a 6'5 guy that's got length and quickness. And so I feel like there are some reasons to believe from a basketball standpoint, Kansas can do some things that can present Carolina some real problems. The other thing that I think from a strategy standpoint that might hurt Carolina is, I believe before the tournament started, Carolina came into it averaging the highest possession rate in the tournament, 73 or 74 possessions per game. They were playing extremely fast. They want to play fast. So does Kansas. <laughs> They're really good at playing fast. 
And if Carolina is going to play that way, I think it may play into Kansas' hands. Now, the one factor that trumps all of this, and I know this sounds corny because this isn't a basketball thing, that team of destiny stuff's real, man. Yeah. And Carolina's got that feel. I mean, you watched them against Duke, right? Yeah. How'd they win? I want to know how they won that game because they could not keep Duke out of the paint the entire first I, half. I, there was a the CBS or TBS threw up a stat at close to the, or maybe it was during halftime that the points in the paint were disgustingly lopsided. Disgustingly like 44, lopsided. 16. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was ugly. And I I felt like watching that game. I know Carolina did kind of commit themselves to making. Paolo Bancaro's life a little more miserable. They threw more bodies at him. They crowded him a little more. They tried to keep him out of the paint. But there were a couple of times late in that game when Brady Manick guarded Paolo Bancaro by himself and made him take a tough shot. I don't know that that's... It's like a bumblebee flying. Like, science says that can't happen. (laughs) But But, that little bumblebee flies every day. Because nobody told the bumblebee he couldn't do it, apparently. And I don't know how Brady Manick kept Paolo Bancaro from dunking the ball every time he wanted to when he faced up on him on the perimeter because he did a few times and made it look really, really bad. And late in the game when they needed buckets, Manic moved his feet and cut him off on the baseline, dealt with the spin, bodied up to him, made him take a tough jumper. I still don't know how Carolina won that game. Kind of just grit and determination. To a degree, yes. And, and, and some... Timely missed free throws, but let's. Well, I, does Duke f- missed four or five down the stretch? Was that what it was? I, well, what, the funny thing is, Carolina did the same thing just before that bad stretch started. Brady Manick missed two, and missed one out of two the next time he went to the line. He missed three out of four by himself, but it just never felt to me like Carolina was going to be able to get enough stops and enough good quality shots. So what it came down to for me, Garrett, and if anybody's listening and thinks I'm crazy, I guess you're allowed to have that opinion. Some of the way that they won is, is, is the way that we oftentimes forget to oversimplify basketball a little bit. Duke missed some good shots, and Carolina made some really hard ones. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's kind of the way it yeah. looked late in that I mean, game. Caleb Love, I think, had 30 or <laughs> whatever, but there was a stretch there where he was hitting stuff with a hand in his face that just was like, uh, it's going to be their night. Well, the three, <laughs> yes. at, the three at about the one minute plus mark that gave them the four point lead. Yeah, that, actually, that, was, that, that was that was ridiculous. Yep, that was a seven foot one guy with long arms coming out at him, and he hit and the he, three and over he got that it guy just over that dude's yeah. finger. I mean, the guy was a little late coming up to to hedge on the screen and really didn't hedge much, but he wasn't late enough that he didn't bother the shot. But the bar- shot went in. Berries of steel on the shot. I mean, oh, there's like, no question. Onions <laughs> all day right, long, double is, order, as uh, Bill likes to say, a hundred percent because you missed that. And it's a long rebound going the other way. We got problems. Well, we got problems. Here's the interesting thing. I, this is a championship breakdown, so I don't want to go back to the Final Four. But if anybody other than Mike Krzyzewski coached that Duke team against this Carolina team and lost, I think they would be skewered because who, who's the NBA guy on Carolina's team? I mean, I, Caleb Love? Prob- I, if probably. Nah, he's not a star. Right. Duke's got, I got Leaky Black just because I love the name Leaky Black. Like, well, I just think that's awesome. If, uh, I love Leaky Puff, Black. Puff too, Johnson and Leaky but, Black. <laughs> 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 and then Armando Baycott looks like a, a 
like Boston Terrier who didn't get enough oxygen at birth. I don't know what they, he is an unpleasant person to look at. <laughs> and he is productive, but oh, he, he's it's he, nuts. He, he's like an NBA guy from 1987. He's not an yeah, NBA that, guy now. That's 100 percent fair. He's not an NBA guy now. Manic maybe because he shoots it. I don't. But but Duke's got dudes. I mean, Duke's got four. Is Paolo Bancaro going to be the number one overall pick? He's not going to be, and somebody's going to have to do some serious splaining to me. So he's going to be a, but he's going to be a top. He's going to be pick. top three, and top five at the absolute worst. And Garrett, I didn't realize because I didn't choose to. Like when Ohio State played him, I just kept saying, "Man, he's good. Man, he's good." Right. But then he but, took the floor and he lined up next to Brady Manick, who is six foot nine and a sizable human, and he didn't have to give an inch right. in terms of size. And he's six foot ten and got muscles where there aren't supposed to be muscles, and he can move and he's skilled. And he's not the only pro on his team, and they lost right. twice to Carolina in a month. And I'm, I'm looking at this title game saying, if I'm Kansas, I'm glad I'm not playing Duke. Right. But if you feel that way going in, you might be in some deep trouble. Right. If you're preparing that way. <laughs> you might be if, if, if Bill Self lets on at all. He's not going like, to. That's the problem. You can't get inside the heads of, of 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids. But, you know, the other thing that's a psychological problem in this matchup really is – and we've seen this before in the NCAA tournament. You remember when Wisconsin knocked off the undefeated and nobody can beat Kentucky like Kentucky yep. versus the field? Everybody took Kentucky and yep. Wisconsin beat them in a semifinal yep. and couldn't deliver on the second night. Duke knocked them off. A Duke team that really shouldn't have won a national title but, but did win a national title because Wisconsin couldn't bring it that second night. And, and you know Duke did in 91. When they beat Vegas in the semifinals, they came back and got Kansas in the finals, which they... Sh- I mean... But... Carolina might have won their national title Saturday night. Emotionally, yeah. mentally. Oh, absolutely. You know, you know what would be the greatest thing in the world for Duke fans is if Carolina actually lost this game. Right. You don't have to hear. <laughs> well, because if, if Carolina wins it and goes on and wins the national title, Duke can, can kind of say, hey, that, the issue is who won the national title. They won it. If Carolina loses, it's going to be, God, not only did we not you know, beat Carolina, but we, we, we like we're fourth. Right, <laughs> we're fourth out of this final four. <laughs> with uh, with one lottery pick, I don't. It's Wendell Moore someday a lottery. Uh, I, they got a bunch of first round. They got a first round pick. They got four or five. Mark first Williams round dudes. a first round pick. Griffin, probably huh? Griffin's a first round dude. Mark Williams might be a first round dude. I, they they got four or five first round picks on their roster. In my opinion, whether it's a year from now or two years from now, they've got four and. North Carolina's got dudes named Leaky and Puff. <laughs> like they're playing down at the YMCA Annex down the street. <laughs> you guys want to go down? You guys want to go down and play with play with Brady, Puff, and, and Leaky? Leaky? Yeah, I do. I got next, but I'm waiting on Leaky and Puff to show up so we can play. I uh, I think it's going to be a spectacular basketball game. I really do. I I hope it is. I expect that it will be. Um, your question about whether or not Hubert Davis is a good coach. He'll do some things tonight to help answer that question. I really believe that. Uh, but I also, again, look at these two teams and I say, who's got the pros? I think Ochai Baji's a pro. I think Fair. he's a pro. Um, outside of that, for Kansas, Remy Martin might be a pro. You know, I, I think there's a little more closeness in terms of the overall talent level of both teams. The issue is for me, I think Kansas is fresher. I think Kansas is a little better defensively from a consistency standpoint. And I think Kansas has a few more ways to play. 
uh, offensively in terms of playing inside out, playing you know ball screen stuff, playing on the perimeter. Remy Martin is a guy that can come off the bench and give you 20 on a given night. Carolina's got nothing like that. Um, I, I'm going to give Kansas a, a pretty slight edge. If the game gets away and becomes a double-digit game, that'll be Kansas doing that? Well, I was going to say, is there, and obviously there's a possibility of anything, is there is there a larger possibility maybe than we want to believe that there's an opportunity for Kansas to just go bonkers because, like you said, North Carolina got hyped up for Saturday, and at this point they're playing with house money, and if we lose, oh well, at least we beat Duke in the Final Four. I, I would say if it's possible, that that's – I just think that that Carolina – has demonstrated at least one thing over the last month and a half. Month, anyway. Because I'm not sure anybody in the country has played better in the last month than they have. But what they've demonstrated to me is they're a remarkably mentally tough team. Mm-hmm. When they were imploding against against Baylor, and they came back oh. and finished that thing, that's the kind of toughness that I think puts you in a place where you can do what they did to Duke, and where you you're they're going to be right there at the end. I'm going to give Kansas a slight edge. I think they're going to win the game. I think what I hear, the spread was four and a half. Um, yes. ESPN has it at four. Okay, so I, I had heard four and a half earlier today. Now, I'm going to say Kansas is going to win, but I also might tell you that if I were going to bet, I might bet Carolina to cover. See, when Carolina loses, at least through in the regular season, they got their ass kicked. They lost by 17 to Tennessee. They lost by, what is that, 28 to Miami. They lost by 22 to Wake Forest. Lost to, by 20 to Duke. Lost by uh, but see, those were, those, 13 to Virginia Tech. Yeah, those were games, uh, not the Virginia Tech game, but the others, they were they were still playing Caleb Love at the point a lot at that time. They hadn't really figured things out. Now that they've switched their guard combination, they really don't have positions per se, but they've gotten Caleb Love off the ball more, and, and I think it's helped. I just think they're a different team. They are a testament to what can happen over the course of a season if you allow guys to work and coaches to coach. And I like where they are. I think it's going to be a great game. I just think Kansas has a little more in terms of versatility offensively and a little more overall defensive, I don't know what the word is, presence um, physically than what Carolina has. Having said that, if they don't find a way to keep Armando Baycott off the offensive glass... It's Dumb gonna bad. wipe out right. a lot of things because that bad. that guy, well, hell, he, he missed a chunk of the game and still got damn near twenty rebounds. Twenty one rebounds. I mean, he's got, and that's two games in a row with more than twenty. He had off the glass eight offensive rebounds. So in the final, in the final four, sixty three percent of our voting public had said they think Kansas. Right. That was the last check of the Evans diamonds and jewelry poll question. Well, we've got a, a reset of that coming up here momentarily, but I, I hate to make predictions. You, who you got? I'll take North Carolina in a tight one. Okay. I think Baycott finds a way to play and be somewhat effective. Gab- I, gobbles up everything off the glass. Scores 20 and 20. Brady Manick hits some clutch threes, and North Carolina wins a mildly interesting <laughs> national championship game. I don't think it's going to be you know an all-time or anything like that. I, just, I, I think there, you said earlier there's something to that team of destiny thing. You're an eight seed playing in the final in the national championship game after beating the most heated rival in college basketball. Give me, give me the Tar Heels. Hey, I think they're only the second eight seed in history to play in a title game. Somebody tell me who the other one is. It's Villanova '85, right? I don't remember. I thought they were a six. I think Villanova was eight. Were they an eight? I thought they were a six because it, it wasn't a 64 team field yet. Or was that right, the fir- that was, was the first year? Was that the first year it was 64? 
Um, I will effort this right now. I, I'm pretty sure Villanova was an eight seed. That one, that, that that's I'm curious on that one. I should have known that one. But so, give me a score. You got you got Can- or Carolina in a close one. Give me a score. Uh seventy four sixty nine. Okay. The other thing I like about the game is whoever wins, I think it's you're going to have to be above eighty to win it. I'm I'm going to say Villanova was an eight. In okay, Villanova. So well, that, yep. that's a, that's a good omen. And it was it was heels. a sixteen sixteen team field. Yeah, sixteen or sixteen so first, team. Yeah, per region. First first year of the sixty four team deal. I think I'm going to take Kansas, and I'm going to say the final score is eighty seven eighty three. I've never dreamed of a title game going that high, but I, I think both teams. I think both teams want to play that way, and I think if they're making shots, it can go that way. Um, the other thing is, if it if it comes down to free throws, I think Kansas has a bit of a decided advantage there. Everybody on their team is, I think, above seventy four percent in their in their rotation. Um, I mean, McCormick shoots seventy three or four percent, the big guy, and, and everybody else shoots it better than that. Um, so I'll take eighty seven or what I say eighty seven eighty seven eighty three Kansas, and you got seventy four sixty nine yep. Carolina. Yep. So we'll write that down. We'll we'll check with you tomorrow. I'm just going to give it a watch. Can't really wait. We're going to take another Don Jiggs Jewelry timeout. When we come back, there's some. Coaching news that seems to strike us every day on the college basketball front, not to overload you with college hoops, but there's some news about a coaching hire that some might call surprising and has a connection to all of us here. I, for one, am excited about the hire, but I'm really curious to see how the second go-around works for this guy. You'll join us for that after this, we hope. John Cook, Garrett Seawright, Cookie and the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93 on the fans. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio for Cookie and the Monster. Thanks for joining us today, however you're choosing to do so, whether we're on your radio at 931thefan.com or on the free 931thefan app, however you've chosen to make time for us. We appreciate it. So college coaching carousel, as they like to say this time of year, is in full swing. People being fired, people being hired generally takes about 45 minutes to an hour to make a replacement in most situations. Butler University kind of bucked the trend a little bit. I think they took two days. They did. I think. It took, took two days. They fired their guy on Friday, and on Sunday, had their dude. So, Butler alum and Butler player and alum and former assistant who was there as the head coach for the last five years, Laval Jordan, was fired on Friday. A couple of really difficult seasons. One season in particular when they really failed to meet what were relatively high expectations, and then this year just a general struggle across the board led to his firing. And it was announced on Sunday that Butler is turning back the clock. In 2000-2001, Butler was coached to a 24-8 and record. In- a regular season conference championship, a conference tournament championship in the, what, Midwest I was going to say <laughs> Midwest Collegiate Conference. Conference that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, it became the Horizon Conference, and they went to the NCAA tournament. They were coached by a man named Thad Mata who parlayed that one year at Butler into three years at Xavier that were, well, let's just say pretty daggone successful. <laughs> you could argue that. You know, you make it to an Elite Eight. That's doing all right. He averaged 26 wins a year in his three years at Xavier. That's because he won 26 games every year. <laughs> he won 26 in year one, 26 and 6, 26 and 6, 26 and 11 in CAA tournament all three years. And... Obviously, then became the coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes, and in his tenure at Ohio State, I, I think again it is very easy at times to remember the last three or four years for the struggle that they were 
in Mata's last four years, 2013-14 through 2016-17. He's been away from the game for five years. The Ohio State Buckeyes were 25-10, and 24-11, and 21-14, and then 17-15 and in that 2016-17 season that saw his career at Ohio State come to an end. He's going back to Butler, and I'm trying to decide what the general feeling on this is. I have at least one opinion that I think is not necessarily going to be super popular. I expect that Mata to do very well, but I have three areas of concern. Number one, the expectations at Butler don't really diminish. Even though you're replacing a guy who struggled, the expectations at Butler are we're going to be near the top of our conference, we're going to be in the NCAA tournament, and we're going to advance in the NCAA tournament. But do the, do the expectations get a little higher because of Thad Mata's stature? Like because of his success? I think they might, and I think that could work against him. The second thing that I'm concerned about is Thad Mata was fired at Ohio State but was probably going to be stepping away at Ohio State because his health was a problem. His back was an issue. He had the foot issue where he had the surgery and it, it, they, they clipped the nerve or whatever and he had the, the issue with his foot. And it was being used against him in recruiting. It was limiting his ability to physically do the things he wanted to do and needed to do to coach at that level. I'm assuming that he's coming back because his health is, is back in order, but I'm concerned about whether or not that's sustainable. He's younger than people think by looking at him right. because when you look at him, you would assume he's 66. He's not. He's 54. I think 54 years old. The third thing is Butler is not in the Horizon League anymore. They're in the Big East. And I think it's going to be a monster challenge to try and meet some of the expectations that Butler has for their basketball program. However, I would say this. If anybody is capable of it, Thad Mata would be a guy who's demonstrated that he's capable of it. It's a Big East where Ed Cooley was the National Coach of the Year this year, and he might be the sixth best coach in the conference. That's a very very powerful statement. A little different. And you're going to be competing against a Villanova program that is expecting to get to the Final Four nearly every year. You're going to be competing against those kinds of programs. Thad Mott is a spectacular coach. He's going back to his roots. He's got a chance to rebuild a program that I think feels like it needs some rebuilding, and we will watch with a keen interest from where we sit. I'm going to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we'll reset our Twitter poll questions, and we'll talk a little bit Reds baseball after this on 93.1 The Fan. Hour number two here on Cooking the Monster, Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. Top of hour number two means one thing. It is time to get a quick reset on our Vons Diamonds and Jewelry Twitter poll questions. Yes, sir. You can go to Vons Diamonds, VonsJewelry.com. It's where Lima celebrates love. Three questions up at 931 The Fan on Twitter. The first, who wins tonight, Kansas, North Carolina? 63% say Kansas. Also asking this national championship game tip off too late. 920 Eastern. 94% say yes. We're actually down a couple percents. Who are the monsters saying <laughs> that it's not too late? Ugh. Are they part of the 3.8% or whatever that are unemployed in this country? <laughs> I don't know what else what am I supposed to look forward to. Uh, and our final poll question from the VonsJewelry.com poll question. Did you watch WrestleMania last night? 87% say no. No, they did not. I'm told it was a great one. I'm told it was great. Uh, the great ones were in the 80s. I believe that as well, but I was What told was that percentage you said they didn't watch? 87. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I, I'm, I'm still surprised that one's that low. If I, like if, it, if I didn't have to pay for it, which is the <laughs> ultimate cheapskate no, no, no. response. I'm right there with you, though. Like if it was just streaming on Peacock and I didn't have to have Peacock Premium... Yeah, I probably would have watched WrestleMania at least a little bit. And my wife would have been like, what the hell is going on in here? 
Oh, well, Pat McAfee's going to take a stone-cold stunner from Steve Austin, so I'm going to watch it. I... <laughs> Nothing makes you sound like an adult, quite like, <laughs> but Pat McAfee's going to get a stunner from Steve Austin, honey. I want to watch. I want to see it. <laughs> we have almost allowed ourselves to forget that typically the Monday of the National Championship game is the same as opening day in baseball, and because, well, baseball is baseball, <laughs> we don't get to have that. But we do get opening day this week, Thursday, I believe. Yeah, opening day. So, which, which so, you know what? Like, I'm kind of in favor of this schedule. I am too. Like, don't. I, I got to be honest. You're stupid if you're trying to cram opening day in before the final four. Like, everybody is focused on the final four. I don't know if baseball hasn't realized that March Madness is a bit of a big deal, but it is. So why don't we just wait till that's over? But is there is there a downside to have an opening day conflict with the Masters? Um, probably. I baseball. mean, nobody nobody plays afternoon games on opening day. Or very few play opening game afternoon games in, anymore. Anyway, well, the, the problem is is that baseball's fan base is almost exclusively old white men, and you know who love golf? <laughs> old white men. Old white men. <laughs> but the my beloved Cincinnati Reds are making news for I, I don't know what would be what would be seen as negative reasons if there was such thing as a positive reason for the Reds to make news this spring. <laughs> so. Uh, news was announced. I think it was announced today, wasn't it? Uh, yesterday. yesterday. Yesterday that Shogo Akiyama is not going to make the Major League roster. Yeah. Um, the guy who is, I believe, the fourth highest paid player on the Reds, not going to make the roster. Eight, so, eight million bucks a year. They're going to pay Shogo Akiyama $8 million this year to go away. So he gets to choose, though? It's yes. his choice it's to either his, go to Louisville. In his contract that he can decline an option to the minor leagues. And if he says, I'm not going to the minor leagues, the Reds cut him, he gets paid his contract guaranteed. And he's a, but he becomes a free becomes agent? Becomes a free agent. Becomes a free agent. Yep. Hmm. So that is where, <laughs> that's where the Cincinnati Reds sit. He's the fourth highest paid, paid player on their roster. Well, so it got me thinking, Garrett, and I started digging today looking for, what it, was there, is there a way to look at the, the prospective season that the, that the Reds are facing? And we'll talk about the, the, the Guardians as well. Damn, I almost said Indians. Oh, I did it, yes. I, I just want to say too. Tribe so bad. Uh, guards? Are we, are we going the, guards? Gar- no, guards. I can't do that. Because you know, like at some point, you're going to hear Tom Hamilton be like, it's time to stand guard. Like, shut up, Tom. Shut up, Hammy. <laughs> no, when when they start struggling, he's going to be bitching about that name as much as the rest of us, maybe even more. Uh, he's a company man. So, according to ESPN, no less of a source than e- the, than the mothership itself at ESPN.com, the Cincinnati Reds are if they rank the order of teams in baseball to give you their prospective outlook for the season, the Reds are twenty fifth. I would not have expected them to be quite that high. I was going to say somewhat generous. Yes, I would have thought so. However. Their projected record, according to ESPN, with all the analytics that they use and the numbers, is that they have a projected record of 77 and 85. Which you could I, is, sign is me high. up for that <laughs> right, right now. Say, if you, I'll take that. Give me that. Give me 77 wins for this baseball team with a, nine, a 16.9% chance of making the playoffs, according to ESPN. I thought that ESPN. was astronomically high. Again, 16% chance to make the playoffs? Are you kidding me? If there's a part of... If 16% of me is interested in the Reds by <laughs> July 4th, gonna, I will be so excited. By June 1st. It'll be ridiculous. So if everything goes right, according to ESPN, if everything goes right, the future is now because Hunter Green and how do you say that guy's name? Nick, Nick Lodolo. Lodolo. Along with Tyler Molly and Luis Castillo, give the Reds four above average starters. You hope that they give them a four. Like, 
Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are are rookies. Right. They're going to struggle at some point. Did I tell you about when I got to, I got to see Hunter yeah. Green's last outing before his injury? Six pitches of over 100 mile an hour in the first three innings of of a game as a starter, and then he suddenly wasn't out there for the no. It was the third inning. He wasn't out there for the third. And nobody said anything. He just wasn't out there for the third inning. And on the drive home, there was like, uh-oh, we think he's hurt. <laughs> and so now he's going to get to be with the big league club. But that's 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 saying, you know, we're, we're looking at that as our future. They also say the past is now. <laughs> what they're saying is if everything goes right, Joey Votto might be able to match his 2021 numbers. Mike Moustakis can have a rebound campaign. And Nick Senzel can finally stay healthy and hold down center field. What are the chances all three of those happen? Zero percent. With the possibility that Tyler Stevenson turns back into an all-star catcher. <laughs> so that's what they are saying is if everything goes right, there's your calls for optimism. I think they need every bit of that to get to 77 wins. Say, everything needs to go right for them to be 77 and 85. Weaknesses that could stop them. And I, I'm saying all this to say no one mentions Shogo Akiyama at all. No. <laughs> in any of their... Prospects. Weaknesses that could stop them. There's plenty to pick on, but to start with, the overall picture in the outfield is tenuous. Their (laughs) outfield, uh, ESPN's being nice. Their outfield sucks. Yes, it does. In fact, in fact, uh, the the wins above replacement rating has the Reds' outfield at 29th. (laughs) Who is worse? In In the last two seasons. I don't know. I didn't look that part up. It didn't tell me that. Here's what I'm going to say. I'd love for this Shogo Akiyama thing to be news. The guy had some pretty good numbers in Japan, especially his last couple of years there. I think he hit more than 20 homers yeah. each of those years. What's he got? A couple of homers as, I, a, as a red? I don't. I don't <laughs> or does think he have he, any? I don't think he has any. Okay, probably none. Okay, so it's maybe newsworthy because they've paid him so much money that he's not going to do it. But there's only one thing that makes that not news, and that's if you find a way to make news by exceeding expectations in some area and I just don't see how that's going to be possible. Again, sign me up 77 and 85, I'll take it. By the way, ESP, oh. ESPN says the same thing about the Guardians. 77 and 85. Which I feel like that's somewhat realistic. I believe that they could be 77 and 85. I, I would have said without looking at their roster, I am not Matt Metzger, I'm not a guy. I don't root for the for the Guardians, so I don't follow them that closely. I could almost not tell. Drive. I almost, almost said drive. drive. Yep, one or two bad. And I would not be able to tell you who their five-man rotation is going into opening day with any certainty. Um, their their eight regular starters. No, I don't don't really care to know. But knowing what I know about them late last year and how the off season unfolded and what I read about expectations, I would have said seventy-seven and eighty-five sounds about right. And feels like maybe they got a positive direction if they can get to 77 and 85. I feel like Terry Francona could find eight kids from Putnam County and go 77 and 85. Well, that's a fair point if ever I've heard one. But, <laughs> they're like, they're going to be competitive with him as their manager. But understand, 77 and 85, be competitive, feeling like you've got a positive direction. If the Reds go 77 and 85, I think David Bell should be manager of the year. I agree. Because their their outfield is terrible. Their bullpen is terrible. Their, if Joey Votto is not superhuman as if he was the second half of last season he's probably terrible well and they need Luis Castillo to be for the entire season what he was for the last eight weeks seven weeks last year they need that all year I don't know that that's realistic at all and they're hoping for that so they can get rid of him at the trade deadline 
Any, any chance that while they're while they're trading Luis Castillo, who will be highly sought after at the trade deadline, yeah. no question about it. Any chance that Bob Castellini announces he sold the team too? I don't think he can get that lucky. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, John, he's poor. Right, all you know, his owners. I, I saw the the world's greatest tweet today. That's uh, Major League Baseball, MLB, the show, the video game comes out today. Great commercials, by the way. With Shohei and and the yes. little stuff, the little puppet guy, they they're fantastic, solid, solid. But somebody tweeted, if you spend more on the show, if you if you buy MLB the show today, you spent more in free agency than the Oakland Athletics did. <laughs> <laughs> if you buy the show today, Bye you spent you spent more than the Oakland A's did in free agency. That's where baseball's at. And and when all the stuff came out during the lockout, that there was you know uh, certain owners who didn't want. You know, the collective bargaining agreement and the, the competitive balance tax to go up and stuff. It was the Reds who were going, no, no, no. I'm not paying any more money for this. Stop it. Great baseball city, but the owner sucks. I say again, Garrett, the only thing I feel when I think about the upcoming baseball season is, thank God for the A's, the Pirates, and the Orioles. That's yep. all I got. That's, That's all I can muster up is thank God for the A's, the Pirates, and the Orioles. Or according to ESPN.com. <laughs> The, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks as well. Okay. All right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But I know. I feel solid on the A's, the Pirates, yep. and the Orioles. And if the Reds could go 77 and 85, I'll be a happy, happy fan for the most part. Got to take another Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. Going to come back, do a little football at 515 after this on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Back inside the basement doctor studio where it's time for football at 515. And service master at your service welcomes you to football at 515. Hard work, determination, and sportsmanship create opportunities to be your best. Like Bear Bryant said, it's not the will to win, but it's the will to prepare to win that makes a difference. And that's why at Service Master, they don't cut corners. They clean them. So the this, uh, Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. And it certainly seems as if the rest of the AFC North is not thrilled about that. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have somewhat complained already <laughs> that you know they hadn't signed Lamar Jackson yet, and that will certainly change the way they'll have to operate with their negotiations with him. And uh, Katie Blackburn, who's the daughter of Mike Brown, who uh, she's essentially running the, the the Bengals now, so that should be that should be kind of a, a welcome a welcome uh, change there. For we'll see. Well, that's true. Uh, but but she said that it will have a ripple effect on their contract with Joe Burrow. It will make Steve Bashotti, the owner of the Ravens, said it'll make negotiations harder with Lamar. But Katie Blackburn just said, you know, I, I hope that having the guaranteed money isn't what's important to Joe Burrow. Arlen, I hate to tell I, I hate to tell you. I, I, it took me a second to process what you said. You hope that isn't important? I, I, I hate to tell you, but uh, Joe Burrow ain't playing football because he's bored and he li- likes to do the kindness of his heart. Did anybody think to ask, K- is it Katie Blackburn? Yep. Did anybody, is your contract being guaranteed important to you, Katie? <laughs> I imagine that, uh, you know. Like, do you want to feel certain you're going to be paid for doing your job? Because that's, that's a nice place to be, right? I would think that knowing that your paycheck is going to be there and, and you've got the agreed upon, agreed upon amount, that, that that's some security I think most, <laughs> most people would like. Uh, oh, my goodness. She says, I don't focus on the guaranteed as much because, in theory, if the player gets money at the end of the day, that's what's important to him. So if the player is good enough and plays out the contract, he gets the money. Right. But also, y- your organization t- turned Joe Burrow's left knee into an ostrich leg. 
<laughs> because of your complete and utter incompetence. And he'd like to not be in danger of not being paid because that happens again. Right. That would be a nice little feature of yes. playing for your organization. You know, the second-year quarterback who took your team to the Super Bowl would love to be able to continue playing and get paid to do it. Is there any element of this that makes you want to just say to both the Ravens and the Browns, or Bengals, though, like, shut up and prepare your team. Shut up and prepare your team. They've made their decision. Who cares? And and, and it also brings out the conspiracy theorist in me. What's the chances that the Browns think, you know, maybe it's possible that he gets a one-year suspension and then... You know, this thing's hanging around our neck, but by then everybody's negotiated their contracts, overpaid their quarterbacks, and we're, we're stuck with this, but we're kind of out of it because he can't play anyway. And I, I mean, I, I have been a, a very ra- rather loud, not always loud, but, but, but consistently I, I have said, hey, if the guy plays football, this whole thing's fine. If the guy plays football, he's going to play well, it's going to be fine. But there's no way for anybody to look at this and not, not, right. not say that thing's going to end up an albatross around their neck at some point. It's going to kill them. It's going to kill the franchise unless unless they manage to win a Super Bowl. It's going to kill them. Agreed. But I think they also agree to that contract knowing that two other teams in their, in their division are going to be forced by their actions, by the Browns' actions, to sign an albatross around their necks, too. You can't let like Cincinnati's now options are let Joe Burrow walk after his fifth year and the city of Cincinnati will riot, or... You have to pay him an absurd amount of money, fully guaranteed. The Baltimore Ravens, they're going to let Lamar Jackson walk? Hell no. They are now going to be forced to give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract because it's been that stepladder all the way where everybody was that every quarterback that was due to be paid next was the one who got to set the market and then it kept going up and up and up. And now it's $230 million fully guaranteed for a guy who's an accused sexual predator. Lamar Jackson is a pillar in the community in Baltimore. Joe Burrow is a pillar of the Cincinnati community. If you think you for a second that you can get away with not giving that dude a guaranteed contract, you're off your rocker. I, I, I think there's there's no question about that. But now it's it's not only yeah, that's in your division, so that matters, but the entire AFC is full of quarterbacks, a number of which haven't gotten that payday yet. Justin Herbert? Gonna that's get a, the guy, gonna that's gonna the guy I'm thinking of. Fully guaranteed contract. Um, you look at... Uh, Josh Allen's already signed his. Um, Trevor what? Lawrence probably someday. Going to get a fully guaranteed contract. What, what, Mac Jones, what, fully guaranteed contract. What, what's the chance, if there is a chance... I hate asking that question, so let me restate that. Is there any merit to the notion, in your estimation, that a guy like Joe Burrow says... I, I know what I need around me, and if I'm going to have what I need around me, I can't. I can't do this. I can't ask for a fully guaranteed contract, an astronomical sum of money, because it's going to handicap and and make it so that they can't provide me the things that I need for us to be competitive. I think. I think it's likely. I think Joe Burrow has somewhat a smart enough shoulder on his head. Or, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Smart, <laughs> smart enough shoulder on his head. That's a hell of a sentence right there. <laughs> Yeah, we're that's a drop. That's a drop in. <laughs> to say, hey, I can't. You you can't sign me to a fifty million dollar a year contract and I still be competitive. I think he's smart enough. I also, I, 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 this is a out there crazy conspiracy that I wouldn't be shocked if someday comes true. At some point, the NFL is going to say, hey, your starting franchise quarterback doesn't count against your salary cap. 
pay him whatever you want. And it doesn't, doesn't because that's going to be the 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 faces of the sport are those franchise quarterbacks. And at some point, they're all going to get together and start bitching and saying, "Hey, I can't get paid what I'm worth because it doesn't work under the salary cap." And y'all mother bleepers are making twelve billion dollars a year. Something ain't right here. And so at some point, the NFL is just going to say, "Screw it! You can put one person on your roster. It doesn't count against the salary cap." And all those dudes are going to get paid fat stacks of cash, and you can start paying your left tackle quarterback money. You start paying a defensive end quarterback money because you've got now $50 million every year in cap space that you didn't have before. I, we're going to get to that at some point where somebody, where they will say, one player on your roster, doesn't have to be a quarterback because the Chicago Bears exist, one player on your, <laughs> one player on your, quarter, on your roster doesn't count against the salary cap. You choose who it is. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank so, you. so the Browns could make the argument that they're like they're forward thinking here, right? They're preparing. That they're like, they're right. preparing for that. Yeah, making sure they lock up their guy, and then when I, I, I still it's a higher stakes game. I've got a friend who's like, I'm not paying my student loans anymore because someday they're going to be forgiven. Like that's a, that's a dangerous game. That's a dangerous game. You are you are banking on a lot of people. That, that's a. It's the opposite of that, where I believe that it's a possibility that someday where the NFL says, "Hey, we got to pay our quarterback. Like we got to get our quarterbacks paid because." It's just, we can't have them complaining. I want to feel bad for the Bengals and the Ravens. I just can't. Oh, I don't. They've got a franchise quarterback, so I can't feel bad for them. Deal with deal with what it means to have a franchise quarterback. Football contracts should have been guaranteed a long time ago. And if the Browns, if that's what it took, the Browns to get the guy that they needed to help set them over the edge and win a Super Bowl, worth it. And if that's what radically changes the NFL, I don't think that's a problem. I guess I don't either. I, I just I've never really kind of fully grasped the concept of a non guaranteed contract. I, that, right, that, the whole point of yeah, a contract. You're, you're, <laughs> not, you're non guaranteeing a contract. Well, what what if your quarterback then decides? Well, it's a non guaranteed contract, so I'm giving you a non guaranteed commitment. And tomorrow, right. when I don't feel like being here anymore, I'm just not going to be. What are you gonna do about it? Okay, because you can cut me tomorrow. Right, and I get nothing. So I'm just I'm just gonna go ahead and walk out, and then. Somebody else will sign right me. if I'm good enough. Uh, I'm, you know, and I probably am. I don't know. I, I, if I, like Kyler I said, Murray just said, "Hey, get get rid of me or cut me," I ain't, I ain't coming. What are the Cardinals going to do? They're going to hold his contract for the re- for the remainder and make him sit out for three years? Hell no, no, they're not. The players have the power; they just haven't used it yet, and now they're starting to use it. You know, it'll be interesting because we've seen what can happen in the NBA, and if the NFL goes that route, I guess no one will be completely shocked. But. No. We'll hang in there and see. We're going to take another Don Jacobs Jeweler timeout. When we come back, we will have our weekly visit with Cleveland Pro Sports reporter Ken Silverstein. Probably talk a little Guardians, but what I really want to talk is Cleveland Cavaliers because we are in the absolute home stretch, and the Cavaliers are fighting, were fighting to try and get out of the play-in. Looks like that's probably not going to happen for them. So they're going to end up in the 7, 8, 9, 10 play-in situation, and I don't know, I want to get Ken's take because I think if you'd have told everybody back in October that the Cavs are going to be in the play-in, we'd all jumped up and down and been excited. And now it feels like a little bit of a disappointment because of how things began for the Cavs. We'll have that conversation and others with Ken Silverstein after this Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout on Lima Sports Radio 93.1 The Fan. Welcome back inside the basement. Dr. Studio Cookie and the Monster presented by Lewis Family McDonald's. You can apply at work at mcd.com where you can work today and get paid tomorrow. Lewis Family McDonald's. It's Monday. 
It's time for our weekly visit with Cleveland Pro Sports reporter Ken Silverstein. Ken joins us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. Ken, welcome in. How are we doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? Uh, I would be doing a lot better if I wasn't sitting here staring at the last four or five games of the NBA season thinking that it's a real distinct possibility that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to have to play the Atlanta Hawks in a play-in game in a 7-8 matchup. They've not done real well with the Hawks, but I'm not really seeing a pathway that leads us into anything other than that to open the playoffs. No, I think your breadcrumbs are correct. I think you got them laid out real well with the remaining games and who they got to play outside of Orlando. The other two are, what, Brooklyn uh, on the road and then Sunday against Milwaukee. Now, the Milwaukee game is going to be interesting. I'm not sure what Milwaukee's going to have to play for. We'll know more later in the week. They may sit some people. That would help, obviously. But if they have to play the Greek freak and others, uh, the Cavaliers are probably looking at losing two of the next three. And I, I'm with you. I think Atlanta's a bad matchup. And the reason, some guy named Trey Young is the problem. Uh, he, he flat out is one of, obviously, the best young players in the game. He's one of the best overall players in the game. And if you have watched or listened to Atlanta versus the Cavs this year, they have not been able to corral him. Nope, and no answer. that's a problem. So um, there's a very good chance that it will be Atlanta and it will be a very short run against Atlanta, Atlanta advancing the Cavaliers looking to um, 23-23, or 22-23, I should say. Ken, is it almost is it almost a disappointment that that would be the way that the season ended? After uh, coming into the season, uh, John and I talked before the break that you know it would have been uh, bananas to think that this team could play in the in the play-in tournament. But now, if if they were to bow out in the play-in tournament, would that almost be a disappointment for the way the season's gone? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can see that, um, and, and there's a lot of merit to it, considering at one point, guys, and I don't have the exact date, we'd have to look it up, they were the number two seed at one point. Okay, now, obviously there are reasons why the slide has occurred. Uh, they have lost Jared Allen, they've lost Evan Mobley, uh, they have seen other injuries to Rondo. They've seen injuries to um, uh, Lavert. Rubio, um, on Rubio, and on and on and on. the Rubio they've injury was Dean, huge. Yeah, they've lost Dean Wade. I mean, they've they've lost a lot of folks, and even go back to Colin Sexton, which feels like a lifetime ago. That was back in November against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. If my memory serves me correctly, when he bumped knees with one of the Knicks players. So, the long and the short is, I think. Pro- I think privately and publicly, they will be disappointed if that scenario occurs. But and I'm going to be optimistic here. They would have won over 40 games. That means they would have played over 500. There would be reasons why the injuries, obviously, that I just mentioned. And I think they will have a much clearer view going into next year. Granted, no first-round draft pick at this point, which is kind of weird for them. And they're not in the lottery, obviously, because they don't even have a first-round pick, but they look at their roster and they say, do they need to bring back Colin Sexton, restricted free agent? We'll see what happens there. And if they do bring back Sexton, where do you slot him? Is he coming off the bench? Is he a starter? If he's not, does Levert go to the bench? And so forth. So uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. They're going to need they need a backup point guard, guys. I think they can't count on a 35, 36-year-old uh, Rajon Rondo to be their backup point guard next year. Do they 
They need to find somebody who can play 10, 12, 15 minutes a game and not wear Garland out as they're wearing him out because they really don't have any other option at this point. And Sexton is not a viable point guard. He's the two guard, even though he's undersized. So there are things they need to do this offseason, assuming they get to Atlanta, they lose to Atlanta. It'll be an interesting offseason. Well, I mean, if they lose to Atlanta, in theory, they could still get into the playoffs if they beat the, if they beat the loser of the nine ten matchup. Excuse me, the yeah. winner of the nine. I mean, it's probably going to be Brooklyn, the winner of the nine ten matchup against yeah, the against I, the Cavs. I don't think that's I, very very likely. Yeah, but. I, I, yeah. I mean, Durant can win that game by himself, <laughs> and I know that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean. And he might He'll have score to. and need to do what he needs to do. Uh, they still got Kyrie. Uh, they have enough. They have enough firepower. The, the problem with the Cavs right now is twofold. They don't have size inside, and that hurts them defensively. Right now they're back to reverting to what they've been the last couple of years. And then the other issue is they just don't have enough offensive firepower most nights to win games. So, you know, Sexton, if he had been healthy, would have been helpful because he could come off the bench. They could start Levert in the backcourt. They could use... Stevens and, and others um, as defensive stoppers, let's say, and they could get some offense or more offense with love and, let's say, a healthy Colin Sexton. Well, that ain't going to happen. Sexton's not healthy. He's not going to be a factor. So wishful thinking on my part. No, I don't. Right now, I don't think they're going to beat Atlanta. I don't think they'll beat Brooklyn. Um, and, again, I don't think it's the end of the world. I, I think – I think considering where they were and where they are going into next year, they're better because of Mobley. They're better because Jared Allen now is a better player. They're better because they've added Levert. And if they can just figure out a way to get, maybe bring Sexton back or somebody like him, have a little bit more bench scoring, and then get a a backup point guard who's not 35, 36 years old and running on fumes, then – I think next year, uh, I think next year, better health. The next year, I think they'd be shooting for hopefully uh, a top four, top five seat. I don't think there's any question. Put them in a lot better spot. Simply put, they are a lot better than they were 365 days ago, and no one will dispute that. No, I think that's what you got to hang your hat on is the idea that because of the way the season unfolded, they created this this idea for for a large part of the season that they could be a top four or mm-hmm. top five seed in the East, and because that that's what they were when they were wholly constituted. Again, with without Sexton notwithstanding, primarily they were wholly constituted, and what that's what they can be. I think the expectation will be that that's what what next year should look like, and what what we should be pointing toward as Cavs fans. But it just it's such a frustrating thing to see the thing unfold the way it has late in the year, and now we're looking at an entire offseason to have to go back to that. And an offseason in which it be, would be great for, for Cleveland sports fans if they could say, hey, you know, we're going to have to wait till next year on the Cavs, but, but the Guardians are going to give us something to really sink our teeth into and get excited about. That doesn't necessarily feel like it's the case either. No, it's <laughs> – well, they're lucky they're in the Central. I mean, if they were in the East, they'd be in a lot of trouble because you've got four major players – and Toronto's got to be tremendous this season. The Red Sox are going to be really good. The Yankees are the Yankees. And Tampa, somehow, you look at the roster and you go, how are they doing this? And every year they win nine, roughly 90-some games. So they're lucky because of geography. So thank goodness for that. 
they look at the White Sox. Lance Lynn's going to be out for a while. That's a major help for the Indians on the pitching side. That's going to hurt the White Sox. But I just don't know how you do it with so many young guys who have no resume for the most part. And really, when you look at it, two legitimate offensive players. And we all know who they are. One's a DH and one's a third baseman. Mm-hmm. Other than that, and I think the straw kid in center field is going to be a pretty good player. Okay, but he's still young. He doesn't have the huge resume. But, all right, let's throw him into the mix also. That's three really good players, okay? Not Hall of Famers. Um, Ramirez might get there. I take that back. Whatever Ramirez is playing, if he does it for the next five, six years, he might get there. But for the time being, Ramirez and obviously Reyes and Straw are their three best players offensively. And then you look and you go, hmm, not much a catcher. Question mark at first. Might be something, but I want to see it for a full year. Second base, not sure. Shortstop, pretty good, but in a league with so many great shortstops, he pales in comparison. I like the center fielder a whole bunch. I think he's going to be really good. Prototypical leadoff hitter. Okay, Doesn't have a lot of power, but he's going to on base. He's going to steal bases, play great center field, and maybe hit 270, 280. I'll take that every day from that player. Corner outfielders, guys, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know what they're going to get out of the corner outfielders. And I don't know. Look, they're not in there with Houston. Seattle's improved. The East has got four really good teams. I think the White Sox are also a playoff team and should win the division. And you look at Detroit. You look at Minnesota. They have improved. Kansas City, I'm not sure. We'll see how good Bobby Witt Jr. is at this point. He's got stud written all over him, but I want to see it before I believe it. Show me. So second place, I don't know, maybe battling for the last playoff spot only because of the starting pitching, but the starting pitching is going to have to stay healthy, and they're going to have to be really good for six months. If they are, and I'm correct in saying that four teams will come out of the East, White Sox win the division, and Houston win the division. Well, that would make it six teams right there. So it looks to me like the Indians would be battling Seattle and possibly the fourth best team in the East for the last spot in the playoffs. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to ask you, ESPN projects uh, the record for the Guardians to be 77 and 85, gives them a 15% chance to make the playoffs from an odds too low, perspective. I, I think that's too low. I really do. What do you guys think? Well, I, I, I guess I would say it feels to me like this team has a makeup to be 77 and 85, and because Tito's calling the shots, I would expect him to be better than that. So do I. I'm going to be Mr. Optimism here. He's that good. He's first ballot Hall of Famer. And again, I'm counting on the starting pitching to stay pretty healthy. Do I have any control over that? No. And no one else does. Okay. But if Shane can stay healthy... Tristan, this is in no particular order. Please, Zach, on and on. Quantrill and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Savali. If, they, if the five starting pitchers in no particular order can stay healthy and they get lucky with a couple young guys, maybe surprises, then I think they can battle for the last playoff spot. But if they have any injuries that starting rotation and the bullpen falters like it did last year, particularly at times, then I think ESPN is closer to being correct than wrong. But if you're asking me, 
I think high end would be about eighty four, eighty five. Does that make sense to you guys? That, that would yeah. have been yeah. Go ahead, Garrett. Well, I think Ken, you're right that uh, the, the playoff chances aren't uh, because the Central is so not great <laughs> that that the White Sox are the team that everybody's trying to beat. But also in those same you know rankings that ESPN put, uh, I think the Guardians were um, they were seventeenth or eighteenth. They were twentieth. They were twentieth. The the Tigers are nineteenth, and the Twins are eighteenth, and the Twins are seventeenth. So they're all right there, yeah, bunched well, up yeah, together. It's not really um, the Indians have better starting pitching than Minnesota. Detroit's got a lot of young guys like Casey Mize and others, but we don't know yet. We don't know yet whether they are going to be as good as they were perceived to be coming out of high school or college ball or whatever, and then obviously through the minor league system for the Tigers. So if the argument is pitching wins but the counter argument is you're in the american league and you got to score four to five runs a night to win games over 162 then it becomes a little bit more tricky for the guardians because the margin for error becomes thinner and thinner um i don't know if minnesota and detroit are better than the guardians at this point i really don't know if they are it's a hair and if the indians Excuse me. If the Guardians are better, I get used to saying Guardians. If the Guardians are better, then it's probably a hair difference. I, I, I'd say, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. I think if you take all three teams, yeah, one may have a better player here or there, and mm-hmm. one may have better starting pitching than the Indians do, and one may have a little better offense than the Indians do, and one may have a little better bullpen than the other. But when you look at it across the board, and right now we're dealing with a 28-man roster shrinking to 26 come what may first um i don't know agree with me or disagree i don't know if there's much of a difference between the three of them but i look at the white Sox, and i love anderson is short i love mikado uh, i can live with what they have at second a bray was a hundred run rbi guy i like the trade they made in right field with pollock i think robert is going to be really good in center and jimenez all right jimenez has star written all over him okay and they got young guys at DH, and um, I can't think of his name. One's Vaughn. I can't think of the other kid. Sheets. Sheets and Vaughn, two different young players, are probably going to DH a bunch. They're not a perfect team, the White Sox. Far from it. They're, you know, with Lynn now being down for about a month to five, six weeks, uh, that's going to hurt them. They got a very good bullpen. It appears on paper. But are they better than the big boys in the East? Are they no. better than Houston? No. Right. I'd say no. Now, I'm I'm with you on on the Guardians from the standpoint of you know if, if a 77 and 85 projection, I could see that being reversed. I could see 85 and 77 being realistic, assuming that Shane Bieber can be Shane what we what we know Bieber's capable of being. I don't I don't know how likely that is, but if you, if you're trying to be optimistic, if Shane Bieber is Cy Young caliber, and if they get one or two of the other starters to make a little bit of a leap. Uh, from last year to this year, they're going to be pretty decent in the bullpen. And like I said, I just I, I believe in in Francona more than I do the guys in the other spots. I think it gives them a chance to get to that eighty four, eighty five win number. And 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 if they can get to eighty five wins and and somebody underperforms, they might have a chance to steal a division. Yeah, if you're right, and there's, and there's a chance you are, and they can get to it. Let's say eighty five will make it kind of a. Uh, a little stronger number there. 85, if one, if the fourth team in the East or Seattle um, 
slides, because it'll be nobody else. Nobody else will be in contention. Then it probably isn't enough to get in, but at least into the last week to 10 days, it keeps the interest up. And that's one thing baseball is trying to do, obviously. Uh, so maybe 85 is not enough, but 85 keeps you around so that maybe somewhere between the 15th of September and maybe the 23rd, 24th of September, you're still in the hunt. And, you know, what happens here, and guys, you know this, is that when September rolls around, you got high school football on Friday night, you got Buckeyes on Saturday, and some team named the Brownies on Sunday. If you're the Guardians, if you're not really in it in September, the, the weather starts getting a little cooler. I don't have to tell you guys, we all live in the state of Ohio. Then all of a sudden, whoops, the attendance begins to drop off dramatically, uh, particularly on Friday nights, Saturday afternoons, Saturday nights, and obviously Sunday afternoons, whether the Browns are home or away. So for the, for the Guardians, if 85, 84, 85 is the number, and I think that's the high side, and I think you guys are agreeing with me on that, mm-hmm. then that will keep them in the hunt. The question is, how deep into September, and what guys? Correct me if I'm wrong here. The season, the season ends what on October 5th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I yeah, that's right. Extends yeah. into yeah, that. Yeah, Wednesday of all things, if my memory serves me correctly, which is weird because the season always ends on a Sunday, but because of the CBA situation and the lockout, they had to push it back. Okay, fine. It ends on a Wednesday. I don't. Not going to ruin the world if it ends on a Wednesday. Other than it's another tradition that's gone bye bye. But whatever. Um, yeah, 85, I'll tell you what, privately, I think they would take 85. Now, they would never admit that to you, no. me, or, you know, a dog named Boo, but I think if you said to them, 85 with this young squad, and Beaver winning about 18, 19, and everyone else kind of doing their thing, and the bullpen being okay, maybe not the okay, and a couple guys maybe do a little better than we expect, and Reyes and Ramirez do what they do, then... I think 85 is doable, but if, God forbid, Ramirez would ever get hurt, or Ramirez, or not Ramirez, if Reyes, who got hurt last year, if Reyes or Ramirez, better yet, Ramirez, if Ramirez ever got hurt and would miss, let's say, a month, God forbid, or more, God forbid, even more, then they're in, they're in deep trouble because they got, I mean, he's it. I mean, Reyes is, Reyes is fine, but Ramirez is an all-star player, where Reyes right now has not proven to be of that stature. Well, it's going to start. Dude, so. sorry, it's going to start this week. We'll have a lot to look forward to. I, I I know that the opening season for everybody is the is the time of optimism. I I don't know what we can expect in that first couple of months, but I'm like you. I think the tribe is going to compete. We'll look forward to chatting with you about them as they progress, and obviously hope to be talking a little NBA playoff basketball with you in a week or two as well. But that's that's for another day. Appreciate we'll talk your, next week. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate your time. Talk to you soon. Ken Silverstein, join us on the AmeriFirst Home Mortgage Hotline. Time for our final Don Jenkins Jeweler timeout. We'll come back. We'll have Vonsjewelry.com poll question results. I've, that's going to be a mouthful for yep. me to get to. We'll, we'll figure we'll it out. We'll get to those. We'll do a little water cooler conversation after this on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan. Back inside the basement, Dr. Studio, final time. Time for some poll results. Yeah, we had three VonsJewelry.com poll questions up today. We asked two wins tonight. Kansas or North Carolina, 65% say Kansas. We also asked, is the national championship game tip off too late? 95.5% say yes. 920. Woof. And we also asked, 
Did you watch WrestleMania last night? And 85 respondents to our VonsJewelry.com poll question said no. No, they didn't. Our poll question is brought to you by Von's Diamond and Jewelry, where Lima celebrates love. You can find them online at VonsJewelry.com. Got anything for all the water cooler conversations today? Uh, no, I, 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 I blew it early when I talked about the... MLB the show coming out today. <laughs> if you spent more on, if you bought the show, you spent more than the Oakland A's did in free agency is a hell of a stat. If you spent sixty dollars on the show today, as the video MLB video game comes out, you spend more than the Oakland A's did in free agency is a bonker stat. Yes, it is, and it should be our Thursday conversation around the water cooler. But we may not have a show if opening day gets to actually pull. Uh, get pulled off. So I'm going to go ahead and say this now for anybody who hasn't paid attention. Albert Pujols is back with the Cardinals and is going to make his 22nd consecutive opening day start as a DH now. On Thursday, he will be in the lineup. I remember when he was traded from the Cardinals to the Angels thinking to myself, what an absolutely asinine move this is. The guy will be out of the league in three years and you have paid him whatever this 200 and some odd million dollars that he agreed to somehow some way that man is still in baseball and he's going to be on an opening day roster and the irony of it being back in St. Louis is obviously not insignificant i hope it goes well for him but i can't i can't watch much more albert pujols garrett i just can't <laughs> I, there's not a lot to there's watch. There's too many nightmares there. I feel bad for the guy. He, he can't move. He no, can't, he can't move. So he's got to put it in the seats. Otherwise, that's a problem. 22 years. Here's to you, Albert. 22 years. Man, unbelievable. Starting here on opening day. Thanks so much to Ken Silverstein for joining us on the Mayor First Home Mortgage Hotline. Appreciate you for tuning in for our conversation today. We are going to be back tomorrow. It's going to be an odd week, so we'll be out on Thursday for opening day, uh, but back tomorrow. And I've got to miss another day for some work responsibilities, but we appreciate you for joining us. Look forward to talking to you after the men's title game, 9 o'clock tonight, Kansas and UNC for the national title. John Cook, Garrett Seawright, Cookie the Monster on Lima Sports Radio, 93.1 The Fan.